welcome you to Central this morning where we seek transformation through the renewing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We hear that every week. That's our vision at church here at Central. That's what we aim for. All of our ministry is organized around that transformation. Before we turn to our text this morning, I want to give a little commercial about our fall sermon series coming up. It begins on September 10th, and it's called Life by Design. Some of you may have seen the video that was released earlier this week. It landed in your email inbox, and I'm really excited about this series this fall. It's going to be an exploration of what does it mean to be made in God's image? What does it mean for our relationships? What does it mean for our family? What does it mean for our work? What does it mean for our sexuality to be made in God's image and live life according to God's design? We're going to go from September 10th all the way up to Advent this year, so we'll spend the fall exploring those truths and really excited about it and hope you invite your friends and your neighbors to come consider God's truth this fall. But today, And next week, uh, we are exploring our core values as a congregation. Last week, we looked at connect, and today we're going to look at grow, and next week we'll consider serve. We talk a lot about growth here, talk about transformation every week, but what does that mean? Growing into what? Growing how? And how can I tell if I'm on track with growth? You'll notice the text isn't printed in your bulletin, so I'd like to ask you to open your Bible, either the one in front of you in the pew rack, the black one, or one you brought with you this morning, page 977, as we read God's Word together. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we ask that you would send your Spirit and open our eyes that we might behold Jesus, renew our ears that we can hear your call to faith, and renew our wills to follow after you. Oh, Lord, we pray for the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we no longer may be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, We are grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The old preacher Howard Hendricks used to tell a story about once when he was going to speak at a conference somewhere, his little girl who was really young, elementary school at the time, promised him that she would grow while he was gone. And uh, when he returned home right off the bat, his little girl said, Dad, come see how much I grew. And so they went to the pantry where they, you know, make the little pencil marks. You can measure and mark the growth of your children. And sure enough, she had grown. It was just a millimeter, but she had grown and she was so excited about it. See, Daddy, I told you I would grow. But then she got a puzzled look on her face and said, Dad, 
Why do big people stop growing? It's a good question, isn't it? So her wise father replied, well, honey, we stop growing up and we start growing out. That's what happens with big people. There's a lot of truth there, isn't it? We're always growing. In one direction or another, we're always growing, and it's true spiritually as well. Unless we're dead, we're, we're growing. We're either growing toward Christ or we're growing away from Christ. The question for us is growing up into what? What are we growing into? What's the, the goal of our growth, the goal of our transformation as Christian believers? What is growth? Well, I want to start this morning by labeling what growth is not. Growth is not merely doing more stuff. It's not as though you can mark yourself as mature if you uh, have a certain number of hours spent at the church, a certain number of hours in, in study or in meetings. That's not the same thing as growth. Nor does spiritual growth equal, I finished the curriculum. I made my way all the way through this, this study and I've already been discipled. I'm, I'm good to go. I've grown as much as I need to grow. That's not true either. We never stop growing in the Christian life. Well, what is it then? Look at verse 13. Our growth is toward the goal of mature manhood. That means complete personhood to be all grown up, we could say, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The goal of our growth and our maturity in the Christian life is to grow up into Christ-likeness. Let me take a, a complicated question about what does growth mean and make it as simple as I can. God's goal is for you to be more like Jesus. That's his goal for us as Christians. Verse 15, in every way. The goal is to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And verse 7 tells us it's all by his grace. So Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is both the power of our growth as he takes up residence and has resurrection life within us. He's the power of our growth. But Jesus is also the portrait of growth. We're growing up to look like Jesus in every aspect of your life. That means in, in your life of personal holiness. We're to grow to be more like Jesus in the way that we live out the commands of God. In our emotional life, we're to grow to be more like Jesus. Have you ever thought about emotional health as part of your spiritual growth? It really is. It's a big part of it. In your family life, in your relationships with friends, we're our, in our character, we are to grow to be more like Jesus in our relationships. In our work life, as we grow to conformity with Christ, having his heart for what we do in our work, heart for his kingdom values, in addition to how we go about our work, conform to Jesus. Spiritual growth is not just for Sundays. It's every day, in every way, our goal of our life is to be conformed to Christ. No one can ever say, you know what? Um, I've grown all I need to I've finished the race. I'm as much like Jesus as I need to be right now. None of us are ever to say that. None of us are ever complete in this life, but we grow in that goal to be more like Jesus. That's what God wants for us. But if you're anything like me, that might scare you a little bit. Whenever anyone tells me, you're supposed to be like Jesus here, it makes me really nervous. 
Because I look at my own life and I know how often I am not like Jesus, woefully not like Jesus. There are parts of my life where I feel unprepared, where I'm ill-equipped. There's parts of my life where I just don't want to change. So how does this growth to be like Jesus do anything but depress us when we see the gap in our lives? How do we, how do we make sense of that gap in our lives? I think it helps us to think about the work of God in justification and sanctification. Now, if you've studied the Bible very much or been around Central, you've heard us talk about justification before. We've studied it in Romans chapter 4 as justification is being free from the penalty of our sin and declared righteous through being joined together with Christ. Through faith, Jesus' perfectly obedient and completely righteous life is credited to you. It's, it's counted to you as if you had lived his perfect life. And his death on the cross has paid the penalty for all of your sin, all of the condemnation, all the judgment that you and I deserve is paid by Jesus on the cross if we've trusted him. So our position before our heavenly father is holy and righteous, and that's never going to change. It won't change because through faith in Jesus, you can never be more righteous than you are right now. Even on your worst day, you can never be more like Jesus in God's sight than you are right now because you have been credited with the righteousness of Jesus. You truly already are like Jesus in the sight of our Heavenly Father. All because of the blood that Jesus shed for you, his victory over our sin and our death in the grave. And you shall always be like Jesus because God's declared it so. If you've trusted Jesus, if you've leaned your hope for your life, if you've surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, then God has declared you are like Christ in his sight. That's justification. But what about the life I live every day? If I look at my own life, I have an awareness that there's a lot of it that's not very much like Jesus at all. How do I make sense of those parts of my life? But God's not only at work in justification, freeing us from the penalty of our sin, he's also at work in sanctification, which frees us from the power of our sin. That corrupting power of our sin has been broken and the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and mine to make us more like Jesus. It's part of the Spirit's activity, part of the Spirit's work in our lives. He, he, he makes us gradually over time to have a life that's conformed more and more to Jesus, that we grow up to be like Jesus in how we live our lives. Now, that work is not ever going to be finished in this life. We'll, we'll never be completely like Jesus. We'll never be perfect in this life. But the Spirit of God is continually renewing your mind. He's, he's renewing our wills. He's changing our affections so that we love what Jesus loves. You are truly being more, made more like Jesus as you grow through sanctification. It's been compared to a real estate developer who purchased a, a parcel of dilapidated homes that were utterly ruined and falling down. And after he had purchased them and made them his, he did the work of renovating them over time to a completely different standard, a new standard, a good standard. That's a little bit like what our spiritual life is. God has purchased us by his blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus shed on the cross for sinners like you and me who, who have ruined our lives through our sin. 
And yet the Lord set his affection upon us. He purchased us through the blood of Christ. He declares we are his in justification. But then over time, he does the work of renovating our lives according to his standard of holiness. He's at work in every part of your life. That's sanctification. And all of that is by the grace of God and the power of God, that resurrection power of God at work within you and me that we grow up into conformity with Christ. Now, it may be that you're not growing as you'd like to grow. You're not growing as fast as you want to grow. You're not growing in an area you want to see growth in your life. Maybe there's some habitual sin in your life and you've wanted freedom from it and it just doesn't ever come. And it gets you discouraged or, or maybe there's some fruit of the Spirit that, that you're longing for, that, that fruit that the Spirit of God grows in us like fruit grows, the, the fruit of the Spirit grows in our lives like patience or self-control or gentleness. And you're not seeing that reflected in your life like you'd want it to. But friends, even if you're not growing where you would like, as fast as you would like, do not doubt that the Lord is at work in His power in your life. Because the Bible teaches us that justification and sanctification go together always. If the Lord has claimed your life and freed you from the penalty of sin, then the Spirit of God is going to be at work in your life, freeing you from the power of your sin. They always go together. If He's claimed you by His blood, He is at work in you today, renovating your life renewing your life to grow you up into conformity with Christ. It may be that you're, you're not growing as fast as you want. It may be that growth in your life is almost imperceptible, and you're really discouraged about that. But friend, don't give up. Don't give up because the Lord says in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He is at work. Don't give up. And don't give up on other people either. Don't give up on your children. Some of you have children who made a profession of faith, and, and, and they, but they've wandered a bit. And you wonder, what's going to happen with them? Don't give up on them. Don't give up because the Lord is at work. If he's saved us, he's at work changing us too. Don't give up on your friends. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on the people in the church. Sometimes it's so easy to be disappointed in the ways that we fail to love each other, the fail that we fail to serve each other, and we might just want to give up in despair and say, and those people, they're not living as Jesus called his people to live, and it's almost like sometimes we can look at the church as a, as a lost cause. But don't give up. Don't give up because God is at work. If he saved us, he's at work changing us as well. He who began that work will bring it to completion. But let's drill down one more level to look at the direction of our growth. Look at verse 13. We're growing up to attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, when the Apostle Paul in, in his letters talks about faith, he's referring to belief. That subjective act, we're, we're believing something. But when he talks as here about the faith, he's meaning the content of the truth. As Jude verse 3 puts it, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. 
There's a content of truth that we are growing up into as disciples, a content of knowing who God is and who we are and how God is at work in this world that's a set of truth that we are discipled to know. That's unity in the faith. But what God has in mind for us is more than that. He also says we attain to the knowledge of the Son of God. And the word that Paul uses here for knowledge is an intimate word. It's, a, it's an emphatic word. It's, he's meaning it as a, a personal knowledge, an intimate knowledge, a relational knowledge of Jesus, an experiential knowledge of Jesus. Because what God wants for you is more than just stuffing your brain with more information. Growth in the Christian life is more than intellectual. It's more than emotional. It's more than having our wills changed. It's all of it together. And that truth making its way from our head down to our hearts. So we have a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus. That's what God wants for you. It's what God wants for all of his people. Do you have it? Do you have that relationship with Jesus? There's a danger of people growing up in the church and memorizing and learning all kinds of information, but our heart never changes. We have our brains just full of of the truth of God's word, but we've never surrendered our hearts to the Lord. Is that you today? If that's you, if you've never given yourself to Jesus, to place your faith and your trust in a Lord who loves you and wants more for you than just a body of knowledge, he wants your heart, he wants to change your life, he wants to give you a future. Have you ever done that? If you've never committed your life to Jesus, if you've never surrendered to him, today's the day to do it. Today is the day for all of us. I think the Apostle Paul would ask, are you growing? Are you growing in that unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God? Are you knowing Jesus in a more intimate way? For example, it's one thing to know in our head that God is sovereign, that he's in control, that he rules over all of his creatures and all of their actions, as our Westminster standards say. But it's another thing to know that in our hearts when we face hard things, when we lose someone who's really important to us and it it leaves us reeling. Does that truth that God is sovereign, that he is in control, does it bring you comfort in the midst of the pain? Do you know that God who is there? That God who is in control and loves you and is at work, even in the hardship. That's the knowledge of the Son of God. Or maybe there are fears in your life and they keep popping up all over the place. Does the truth that Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God with us, does that truth that Jesus is God with us, does that strengthen you to face your fears? To face them knowing that Jesus is with you, Jesus is alongside you, Jesus is within you. It's a big difference from knowing, yes, Jesus' name is Emmanuel, Versus having the knowledge of the Son of God where he's alive and at work in your heart. Or maybe you're facing that same sin again. You've fought it for so long and you're weary, but you've, here you've failed again. It's one thing to believe the truth that the Bible says we're forgiven. 
that we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But it is another thing entirely to have that knowledge of forgiveness to go the 12 inches from your head to your heart and know that I stand before the Lord forgiven and cleansed. I'm not going to wallow in condemnation. I don't have to pay attention to the voices of accusation in my own brain or the accuser, the devil who's accusing me. I don't have to listen to all of that because over all of my sins, the Lord has written, it is finished. He's forgiven us. And friends, it is a world of difference from being able to define the word forgiveness versus knowing what Jesus has done for you. What God wants is not only unity in the faith for you to know the content of the truth of the scriptures, but he wants you to have the knowledge of the Son of God, that you would have a personal and intimate and growing experiential relationship with Jesus. Who are you and I growing up to be? In our heads and in our hearts, we're growing up to be like Jesus. But how do we grow? The growth plan is toward maturity. Verse 13 tells us no longer like infants or children who are unstable. Children who might fall for the next new shiny teaching that may or may not be faithful to what the scriptures teach. Not being deceived by new doctrine. How does that maturity happen? How do you and I grow in this Christian life? Well, Paul tells us in verse 11, growth starts with the word of God. It starts with the word of God in our lives. Look at verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints. You might know that the apostles are the 12 plus the apostle Paul who were God's instruments of revealing the truth of Jesus to the world. They were with Jesus in his his teaching. They heard him teach. They witnessed Jesus in his resurrection. And he commissioned them and sent them out as his authoritative representatives as the church and the kingdom of God began to grow. The apostles were instruments of God's infallible revelation of the truth. And the prophets in the Old Testament were those, those who communicated not only who God is, but what he wants for his people. They were God's instruments to deliver his word to his people. And now we have the words of the apostles and the prophets written down for us in the Bible. The word of God is is God's revelation of the truth and evangelists and shepherds and teachers are given to help us understand and apply God's word to our lives. But friends, God through the power of the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to conform your life to that of Jesus The Bible's critical. That's what the Holy Spirit uses to change us. That's why we make such a big deal about teaching the Bible in our church. It's because we believe that the Word of God by the Holy Spirit is what God uses to grow us in this life. You've noticed by now that the, the text of our Scripture is not printed in the bulletin this week. We had not been printing it, and then COVID happened, and everyone was online. We started putting the text in our bulletins, but beginning today, we're going to take it back out again. You know why? Because we want you to have an open Bible before you. We want you to open the Word of God in your lap and follow along and begin to learn how to find your way around the Word of God. I want to invite you to bring your Bibles to church 
so that when you hear something that's important in your life, you can write it down. You can take notes in your Bible. And so as you go home and continue to ponder and study God's word, you have it right there. Bring your Bibles to church. If you don't have a Bible, you can find one in the pew rack in front of you. But we want open Bibles as God's word. We, we not only read God's word, but more importantly, God's word reads us. We need to have open lives before the word of God. If you look at your life and you wonder, why am I not growing? Why am I not changing in my life right now? Perhaps it's time for you to examine your life and ask, where am I before an open Bible? Where is God's word being invited to change my life? How do we grow in the Christian life? It starts with his word, but we also grow together. Look at verse 16. It's through Christ that we are joined and connected together. The body grows together. The body works together. The body builds itself up together. That's why we need to have open lives before the word and open lives before other disciples. Because God builds us together as the people of God. Growth is not just a you and Jesus enterprise. Growth happens together with other people. Some of you have heard me say before that there are some sports that are individual sports and you can excel at them and play them all by yourself, like golf. You can work on your swing and you can go out and, and play the sport all by yourself. But there are other sports that are team sports. You have to have a team to play, like football or baseball or soccer or lacrosse. Christian growth is a team sport. Christian growth requires other people around you. So I ask you, are you involved in lives of other people or other people involved in your life? Are you willing to arrange your life around Christian community so that people can speak into your life and they can tell you the truth about what they see and have an opportunity for you to love them and them to love you? The truth of the scriptures is for living out. And we do it together. Now I realize some, for some of us, opening, yourself, opening ourselves up to another person feels risky. As you might wonder, am I going to be judged? Somebody going to judge me because I don't know this? Or somebody going to judge me because I don't have a background in the church? Or is somebody going to judge me for the kind of life that I've lived? Friends, what we need among the people of God are environments bathed in the gospel of God's grace where God shows us he loves sinners like you and me. And as we see that and it shapes our community, it enables us to be honest about our failures, honest about our needs, honest about the places we need to grow. And the Lord provides fellow Christians to pick us up and encourage us in places we need to grow. Are you living your life together with God's people? You can do it in Sunday school classes, in small groups, maybe things that are arranged according to your stage of life. There are other groups based on the word of God that help you through some issue in your life, whether it's grief or marriage or something else. But the question is, are you growing together with God's people? Growth is a team sport. Have you arranged your life so you can participate on the team? We grow the word of God, we grow together. And finally, verse 15, we grow through speaking the truth in love. In the original 
language here, there is no word speaking. A literal translation would be truthing in love. What the Apostle Paul wants us to see is that we grow together when we have real honesty and truth with one another in an environment of tenderness and kindness and gentleness. The way that we truth is in love, the Apostle Paul says. That's important for us to realize because love without truth is destructive. Love without truth, we really even could say, isn't loving. I understand that we may hesitate to tell people the truth sometimes. We don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to make them mad. Sometimes we pull back from telling the truth because we want them to like us, want them to approve of us. I know that feeling. But are you willing to consider that your desire not to hurt someone someone else's feeling may have very little to do with that other person? It may be more about self-protection. I want to protect myself from being put on the outside. Friends, love without truth is not very loving. But consider the flip side also. Telling the truth without an intention to love is not very truthful either. In fact, it's deadly. Perhaps you're ready to go off on somebody. You're ready to just set them straight, put them in their place, and show them who and what is right. But can you see the selfishness in that? Let me put it like this. If you intend to truth tell without considering in any way how the person is going to receive what you have to say, how are they going to be able to respond? Can they even hear me? Can they respond? If you don't even consider that but just blast out the truth, you may not be truthing in love. It may be more about you just getting something off of your chest. And that might have very little to do with that other person's real life and real growth. We grow up in the way of Jesus by truthing in love with each other. Of course, we see that in the cross, don't we? On the cross, Jesus shows us the truth. Jesus has told us the truth about our lives. And the fact is, he says quite possibly the most insulting thing that anyone could say about us from the cross From the cross, it's demonstrated that we are lost sinners. We are wicked and we deserve condemnation. We deserve judgment. We can't save ourselves. We can't be good enough for God. In fact, we are so wicked that it takes the Son of God dying in our place to cover our sins. That's who we've been. Jesus tells us the truth in the cross, but he tells us so in love He also declares that he loves you so much, you are worth so much that he was willing to go to the cross. He was willing to die for you and for me. And so if you trust in Jesus' work for you on the cross, all that judgment that you and I deserve, the condemnation that our lives have stored up, God has written over all of it, paid in full by the blood of Jesus. It is finished. It's over. We heard the bad news in the cross, but we heard the the good news of the love of Christ in the cross. He's truthing in love. It's that same Savior who loves us when we were his enemies, and he's loved us into his family. That Savior provides both the power for our growth. He takes up life within our hearts, but he also is the portrait for our growth. Shows us the path, shows us who we are growing up 
to be. Who are you growing into? Where in your life are you growing? It might be hard to see. Sometimes it's really hard to see and we can be discouraged. And that's why we need the word of God and read the word of God together with the people of God so they can speak the truth in love and encourage us when we are discouraged. I'll close with this. I heard a story about a woman who had lost her husband several years before, and in her grief, she wanted to take up one of her husband's hobbies. He loved to work in their yard. He loved their garden. She wanted to take up his hobby because it would help her remember the beauty of his life, help her feel connected to him in some way. This man and woman had a trellis at the edge of their yard next to their neighbor's driveway, and years before, her husband had planted a vine there, and it grew up to have these beautiful red flowers all over the trellis. And so this woman said, I'm going to do that this year. She went and got seeds, and she scattered them. She planted them so that it would grow up into the trellis, be filled with flowers, and she would think about the beauty of the life of her husband that she so missed. So the season came. She was tending this vine and it was growing up nicely green and the the vines were going up she threaded it through the trellis but it wasn't producing flowers it started to frustrate her so she kept on tending it and then one day she looked and said I have this beautiful lush green vine but there are no flowers and it frustrated her so much that she got out her hoe to go and cut it down because what she wanted was the flowers It was the flowers that her husband loved. She was so frustrated and heartbroken. So she got the hoe out, ran out there, was ready to cut the vine down, and her neighbor ran out of the house and said, wait, 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 what are you doing? She said, I'm going to cut this vine down. There are no flowers on it. I wanted the flowers. They're not here, and I'm frustrated. I'm going to cut it down. I'm fed up. And the neighbor said, wait come over onto my side of the trellis. She walked to the other side of the trellis and it was covered over with those beautiful red flowers. They were everywhere. From her side, from her perspective, she couldn't see it. But her neighbor did. And her neighbor was able to point it out to her and show her the beauty of what she had produced, what was going on through the work of her hands. It may be that you can't see the beauty of Jesus in your life right now. It may be that you're having a hard time seeing the fruit of the Spirit, seeing any growth happening in you at all, and it discourages you and you want to throw in the towel, you want to be done with it all. Join together with God's people. Because it's God's people who can help you see. God's people can open your eyes to see what they see God doing in you when we can't see it ourselves. And be that kind of person for someone else. You may want to give up on somebody right now. You may say, I'm done. I can't keep spending my time. I'm done. There's no fruit in their life. Don't give up. Because God is always at work. God does more than we could ever ask or imagine. And sometimes he gives us the eyes to see. Sometimes we need other people around us to help us see. But if you're joined to Jesus through faith. He will grow you up. Because Jesus is the power for that growth. And Jesus is also the portrait to show you the one into whom you're growing. Let's pray.
Lord, we are grateful that you don't give up on us. We so easily grow tired and weary and want to give up, but you never give up on us. You have a never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love for us, your people. We thank you, Lord, that you are a faithful God. And so we ask that you would help us to believe your word and not give up on your growth in us. Let us not give up on one another. Let us not grow weary in well-doing here among the people of God. Help us to keep going, taking one more step because you are at work. Help us to trust you, Lord, we pray. If there's anyone who hasn't met you here, who doesn't know and have that personal relationship with you today, Lord, may today be the day that they trust you. May they confess that they are sinners, but you are an even greater Savior who's willing to take all of their sin onto yourself on the cross. Lord, we pray for spiritual life to be born here in this meeting room, in this congregation today. Do a mighty work, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.